Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Jabo macht Tempo, wartet auf harte Herzschwanke, kommt und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujabalata. Guten Tag and welcome to the penultimate match day review of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. It is that time of the season now. Some are preparing for a nice comfortable holiday, whilst others have it all to play for, whether it's gaining promotion to the Bundesliga or trying to avoid going down to the third tier. Plenty of things happened during match day 33, some for the better, some for the not, some were absolutely jubilant. Others were disappointed at the realization that their fate was sealed. Alongside me, as always, to discuss the action from the Spider Bundesliga is the one and only Evelotta Bowler. Eva, good morning to you. What a match day it was. There was plenty of drama, one that Hollywood certainly would have ripped out and turned into a very five-and-a-half-star type movie, really poor-rated one. But what we did see is lots of emotion pouring out in one particular stadium because they've finally done it, whilst the rest, even with a victory, their fate was sealed. Yeah, and I mean, guys, say, um, I'm, at this point, I'm tired. Like, Saturday uh, before the game, sounds like 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, I was not well. <laughs> Let's put it like that. And uh, yesterday... I kind of wrote down all the football games I've seen live this season. And I'll let you guess. And you said 13. Um, come, let's say, mid-June, with every possibilities, like with three games where I don't know yet if I'm going to see them, and the rest obviously out there. Then I've seen 40 games this season, 28 games of the league games of the, the men, three league games of the women's team, a Pokai game uh, of men, one Pokai game for the women, U17 games, DFB Pokai finals. It's it's crazy. It has been a while, right? And I think uh, at this point, I'm I'm happy if I don't have to see a football pitch for like two months. I'm saying this now. I think it's it will be like three weeks, and I'm then I'm going to watch streams of some sort of friendlies on questionable websites probably <laughs> that's that's gonna probably be me i'm like i know myself that's at some stage this is going to be me this summer um but yeah i'm gonna be honest with you come next match day if everything goes as planned um i'm going to be very relieved and i'm going to be emotionally and physically very tired <laughs> Football does that. And as we get to this part of the season where you're just kind of looking forward to the summer break, the summer break's not particularly long, admittedly. We know that July 29th is when the Spider Bundesliga will return. So it's not a particularly short, uh, not particularly long break. Um, but yeah, you know, for, for a lot of football fans, especially heading into next match day, we know that there's not a lot to, to go to play for. Um, Whereas for others, there is, there's a lot going on off the pitch as well. We know that today the DFL is current, is going to be having a meeting with all 36 members of the 
Bundesliga and Zweiter Bundesliga to discuss the proposal about the investor. Um, and Eva, I'll get your thoughts on this first before I, I chime in with, with something. This is something we did want to talk about because it is quite a landmark moment for the both divisions and how that they want to present themselves. But there are a lot of clauses within this particular deal that leave a lot to be desired for football fans. And in particular, um, the one that stands out to me is that this particular investment group would have the opportunity to veto decisions voted upon democratically between all clubs. It doesn't sound like a great deal. In fact, it sounds like the richer clubs are going to continue to get richer, whilst the other clubs that get promoted or are in the second division are going to continue to struggle financially. Yeah, and uh, for me, it's quite clear, and I would agree with Fantines of Germany about that, that um, investors shouldn't be in that kind of part of um, the DFL. And I mean, it, there are so many reasons. First of all, the transparency is not really given, and this is what um, uh, the speaker of the Unsere Kurve kind of um, said as well, that the, the problem is that the yeah transparency has not been there the promises that were made by the dfa hasn't been there and i mean he says that as a bvb fan to his boss with aki Vatska. and i mean i think um the problem is always that at the moment you you have someone like axel hellman as the boss of uh, eintracht frankfurt um as kind of as a stand-in and that's for me that's one of the problems as well that you have someone who kind of is head of the whole talk and, and a decision and discussion uh, that is just a stand-in because their replacement for Christian Seifert, which was Donata Hopfen, didn't work out. Mm. Um, and I think, in my opinion, that is a DFA that at the moment isn't able to do have that decis- decision. And that's why, like, Oka Gertli from, from FC St. Pauli says, we need more time, we don't know enough. And, I mean, it's really like that each like every second day we got more news we get more insiders that kind of give us some stuff and i mean my biggest problem is that with the money that is being put in and i think there's three parts that go in uh one is like infrastructure but to two teams that already have that infrastructure that the dfl wants the money is available for everything else like for players and we and obviously, we know who these teams are. That's like Bayern, that's like Dortmund, that's like Rabat Leipzig. And those are clubs that already have the money and that are already in the upper part of the table. And that's my biggest problem, that there will be no equality with the distribution of money. But it's going to be it's going to be distributed the same way as we have the distribution of the TV rights money. Um, and I think we can all agree that, first of all, um, it profits the Bundesliga compared to the Zweite Liga, and then obviously in the in the league itself, it already profits the teams that are higher up in the table, uh, and that is my problem with that. And um, it's not like 2080; it's even less as of the moment. And for as well, a lot of Zweite Bundesliga clubs are not happy with that as well. Um, and obviously, you know that the fans are not happy because, and and I, in my personal opinion, the time between the announcement that they want an investor and the time like today when they vote on it it's way too short Mm. and they should have given the clubs because we have 50 plus one in germany which means the members have the majority and the members should decide 
and, and, and a lot of clubs or a couple of clubs did that, that they have an impromptu meeting where they said, this is our vote. You can't, you can't give the okay to that. Mm. Uh, and I think it, it's, it's not something you can just have that, like that, that meeting, like a members, uh, an annual members meeting just out of nowhere. Uh, and I think it's way too short to vote on that. And that's why I have a very clear opinion on hoping that it's not going to happen. They need a two third majority um to decide that um as of now i think it can happen but i really hope it doesn't because we've seen well the club who just got relegated from the bundesliga what an investor can do mm. um and private equity there's not and i'm if you're in inside german i highly recommend listening and watching the sport inside documentation about this um because an expert is there's not a little private equity like they're not there because it's nice for them but in the end they want to gain something from that and that that's all private equity is and i don't think they have anything in the dfl they they shouldn't be there and especially if that's their plan of restructuring and i mean um i'm sure you want to you're going to take on the whole infrastructure and kind of marketing stuff now this is this is not how it should work and this is not a good idea and this is not what will bring equality and, and bring us forward and it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's in any way sustainable to me it isn't and also if you're one of the reference the one of the representatives at the table you don't want to be on the side that goes against the well wishes of the people who are most important to your club which are the fans i have seen in australia in particular some real numbskull morons saying, that, you know, because there there's been um, protests about the finals and how they treat fan scenes here in Australia and how the FFA, in the nicest way possible, takes a giant shit on them. They don't let, they don't give them the opportunity to be treated like normal people. They're usually ostracized, they're made mockery of, and you have all these more, these idiots in Australian media who know nothing about how football fan scenes work. Oh, they're, they're all hooligans. They're all bad people. They've got, you know, no reason to act a certain way and blah, blah, blah. These things would never happen at the footy. These things happen at the footy. Guarantee you these things happen at the footy. And the biggest thing is when you have something like 50 plus 1, you have to trust that the fans understand the situation. Yes, investment is something that all leagues go through to compete with each other. The Bundesliga as a collective has the fourth most um, expensive TV rights, like in terms of net worth. It's the fourth best. Only France is worse than theirs, and the Bundesliga is just not as attractive. But that also comes with having TV partners who don't show your games like they do in the UK and Ireland, where you have to basically look for it, whether it's been chucked on their YouTube channel without telling anyone, or it's just not going to be shown live. Like, that's... That's just bad marketing. That's bad. Those are bad deals. The, the DFL who I would have to say is stuck in this limbo where new ideas are coming in to help improve the overall product, but committee thinking and sticking with, well, the grass mightn't be greener on the other side is holding back the overall product of, that the DFL has. There are so many good stories to be told from a Bundesliga and Spider Bundesliga side of things. But we don't get to see those stories. 
there are so many good games that happen over the course of a weekend. We are subjected to one-minute highlights packages. They have the right for a reason. They can distribute highlight packages that actually matter to consumers. We are all of the, the the Bundesliga is almost in this weird flux where it's got short-term gains in mind, attracting with short bursts. But these fans don't stay. If you want to create a more marketable football league, you need something that has a long-term vision and a long-term goal that will keep people interested because there's so much to love about German football. The fan scenes, the atmosphere, you know, it is unparalleled in the world. You know, English football is fine. You've got your problems in Spain at the moment, which, you know, it's disgusting that they don't back the player, Vinicius Jr., and they're like, oh, he's, he provoked them? Like, piss off. That's not the case. It's like, you don't provoke... That doesn't doesn't allow... You know, it doesn't allow you to be like, oh, I'm going to be racist. Right? So you've got those problems here. And Germany has this great opportunity. The Bundesliga and the Svater Bundesliga and the DFL have this great opportunity to market the league in such a way that it, it just... The fans are so good. The fans are great. We've got a great fan scene. They're passionate. They bring great atmosphere for 90 minutes. They sing for 90... They sing... Two, you know, an hour and a half before the game starts, the atmosphere is building, the tension is rising, and they've got all these great stories, and it's just all underutilized. The game is not marketed well enough. They have bad TV rights deals, which are holding the leagues back. You don't need world feed for all the games in the Spider Bundesliga. In America, they only get the two world feed games. In Australia, we only get the two world feed games. The old way TV rights deal in America. All nine games, live. No commentary, just plank atmosphere and a scoreboard. And people could watch those games. Now they're subjected to two games with broadcasts that, that chop up like it was back in the 1980s where you had to fix the aerial on the TV to try and get the coverage right. But of course, we're all digital. We don't have aerials anymore. So like, this comes from, a, this comes from a, a place of heart and care. We, like, we love... The, the football. We love the Bundesliga. We love the Svater Bundesliga. We love what it represents. But the product as a whole could be so much better. And it's important, you know, it's important to have investment, but it is important to have the right kind of investment. The investment that has the intention of building the brand, building the product, and making it more global to a point where people love it. Not where investment is going to meddle with the current situation to a point where it's going to ostracize the clubs and only the richer clubs, you're going to create a Premier League situation where three to four clubs are going to be the wealthiest and the rest of them are just existing. They just exist in the league. Let's not have that situation. Let's not be like English football. Let's not be like CDR. Let's not be like La Liga. Let's have a league where multiple teams at any stage, can dream. We always talk about the Leicester situation. We talk about Kaiserslautern we've done for the last couple of weeks, where those clubs would have never imagined that at that stage in their cycle, they would win the title. The last time that we ever felt like we had that kind of situation, what would it be maybe Stuttgart in 07? Maybe? Wolfsburg in 09? You know, we the, the league needs these these stories, but more, and... And having investment in where the you know the money is equally spread across all the clubs, and it gives everyone a, an an evil playing field. That is what the leagues need. 
because the more that we play into the idea that well we just need to help Bayern and Dortmund and make and RB Leipzig so that they can compete in Europe who cares if they can compete in Europe if you don't have a good platform of a league where anyone can legitimately beat anyone on any single day then you failed as a concept the leagues don't work because then you have a situation like we've had for the last decade where we all know we all feel like we all, we're all experts and we know, well, Bayern will win the league, so who's going to finish second? And then you just turn to the relegation battle to see if something interesting is going to happen. Don't want that. We want to know that we can have something like this year where, granted, Bayern have given it up, let's be honest, but you want to have a situation where at the final match day, two teams or three teams are going at it and any situation can happen. That's the league that we envision. Is it unrealistic? Probably. But a person can dream. I don't know, Eva, is there anything else you want to chime in before I continue ranting? No, I, don't, I would fully agree. I mean, that's what... Um, and in the Bundesliga right now, you have Union Berlin, SC Freiburg, who can go to the Champions League. And I mean, even though internationally, um, I mean, you've heard of Union Berlin at this point, but um, just from an outside perspective, it's nice to have new teams in the mix. And obviously, as of the rule now, I think it also, like, um, the more teams you have and at some stage in international football, you more money you get. So German football would be good in kind of pushing more teams and diverse teams to be in that spot, especially with like with the Dave people car where you get, like, an um, extra sport or not from, mm-hmm. from time to time, yep. to have that mix-up as well. Um because then, I mean, you see it right now, what it means to the fans, uh, to the Freiburg fans, to the Union fans. Um, and I mean, we want more like that. And with the Union Berlin, we speak of, of a team that it has not been play, has not played in the Bundesliga for like 20 years, mm. but has been promoted and constantly worked their way up through the, through the league and then through the international um, competitions. And I mean, this is that it is possible for teams like that. I mean, we, we could... I have my problems with the New York Berlin, but in the end, this is kind of what we want, and this is what makes the Bundesliga interesting. What what we have in, what we have in the in the title race right now, that we have a title race at the same time. There's like in every league, the top is interesting and the bottom is interesting. We haven't had that for a long time. But look at the Dritte Liga, where four clubs are fighting for the second and the third place in the table. Same time shows that second team clubs shouldn't be in the Dritte Liga or in the normal competition, but that's like a different topic. But like all that, and this is what we like, and I don't think you have that in other German, uh, in other German, in other European mm. competitions, in all three competitions, that you have that connection, kind of. Um, and this is obviously why um, we like the league, and this is why we we care about it and, and that's why we're angry about how it's planned and how the Zweite Liga is overseen once more um, and obviously that makes it that then obviously the the difference that you have between Zweite Liga and Dritte Liga now is getting even bigger with that as well we haven't mm. even talked about that yet mm. and I really really think that football needs to change and um Listen to the fans. Listen to the fans. Don't listen to people who just... Like, obviously, it's a very commercialized football mm. and it's a very commercialized sport. But 
I think fans have been right in the past when it comes to things like that. And I mean, so many fans with so many different backgrounds, club-wise, um, have made their opinion clear and have come together to form the same opinion. Um, and I think we should listen to them. And I think the club should listen to them. Yeah, agreed. Without fans, you don't have a game. There is no game to be had. We saw the Geisterspielers two years ago and how weird and foreign that felt. It felt, it looked odd. It was bizarre. It was like, uh, it's like a training match, but it actually kept accounted for points. We don't want that. And if you, and it's going to be a fascinating decision. We have an inkling of which clubs are going to say yes. We also have an inkling of those who have been very vocal and said that they will say no. But obviously, in a situation like this where time is a factor, that's the one thing that I haven't really taken into account. This feels rushed. And rushed, rushed thinking creates compromises down the road. So hopefully the clubs will make the right decision, not only for their own self-interests, but for the people that actually make the clubs what they are. I think we'll take a break because we, we, this was a bit unscripted. We weren't really planning to talk about it, but then we felt that there was a need to because we do care about what happens not only in the short term, but the long-term viability of the league that we actually cover. Because, you know, I guess in, 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 in a way, in terms of helping the league become a bit more marketable to a global audience, like you want to be part of the solution the right solution all right so we'll take a break and then we'll get to the, the actual on pitch action and we are going to start at the ballon stadion when darmstadt hosted magdeburg would a third time be the charm for darmstadt the equation is simple win and they are in promotion back to the bundesliga for the first time in six years lose and the door is very much open for heidenheim and hamburg to take charge their game against Magdeburg was one that, you know, Magdeburg didn't really have anything to play for except table position. But they could play the ultimate upset card and please many fans across the land should they beat Darmstadt. In a game that was quite even with chances coming to and from by both sides, it was eventually Darmstadt who broke through on 36 minutes. A wicked cross by Filip Stojilkovic, finding Filip Tietz, his initial effort cannoned into a Magdeburg leg. And it fell back to Tietz, who scored past Tim Boss. Magdeburg did press, but they could not find an equaliser. And at full time, Darmstadt were not only crowned as a promotion team, but their ground was completely flooded with fans on the stadium. In a game that was very unlike Darmstadt, they played with 30% possession, which is the lowest possession number they've had all season. They were a bit of a different look in terms of the way they set up. They had guys like Tobias Kemper back in the starting lineup, Fabian Schnellhardt. It was a much more defensive output, but they did find the winning goal, and they are now back in the Bundesliga. One thing that stands out in this game for me, and I've said it all season, is how important goalkeeping is. And, and Marcel Schuen, in the big moments in this game, really stood tall, and Darmstadt are now back in the Bundesliga. Yeah, and I mean, uh, congrats, first of all. Uh, they deserve to be up. Um, and I mean, we, we kind of criticised them the past two weeks. And um, 
yeah, very early on in the game, you could see they were highly motivated. And I mean, um, from times, you could see that for Magdeburg, it wasn't that important to get points in that game. And um, I think there were phases where they let Darmstadt roll a bit too easy. But um, I think still, we, we talk about a team who got promoted to the Bundesliga now and a team who um, got promoted from Dritte Liga to the Zweite Bundesliga now um, and has made it clear that they are staying in the league um, so I think that's fine we don't have to have too high expectations out of that team um, yeah I just think that um, Darmstadt really yeah really wanted to to put pressure on Magdeburg early on and they managed to do so I think in the last kind of 10 minutes 15 minutes they were a bit too careless Mm. Um, and I mean, they knew they needed to win. Uh, once again, it was a perfect match day of showcasing why, especially on the last two match days, you shouldn't have um, mm. a, a split match day. But every game on at the same time, what we're going to have on Sunday, uh, just so it you play for more as a team. I think so. Um, yeah, and I mean, um, Shun was brilliant. Um, I mean, there was this scene where, where Magdeburg wants, uh, wants a penalty. It isn't one. Still don't think it is necessary for Schuhen to scream at Schula because it was still hit. Like, it, was, mm. it wasn't a penalty foul, but it was, it's, it's still kind of painful to get a fist <laughs> in your head. Mm. Um, and I don't really think it's necessary to scream at the person who's lying down. It's not really sportsmanshipy, but okay. Um, but obviously, it was amazing, and it really showcased why um, yeah, Darmstadt is where they kind of belong. And um, I, But I really like, especially in the first half, there was this scene where first there is a chance by Darmstadt with, with Tietz, Heber clears on the line, and then you could really see what, what Magdeburg can do while mm. the counter-attack through Egan Kuri. And then they wanted to show like the scenes, but they couldn't because Magdeburg kept on playing and they were in possession for a long time. And that kind of really showcased why they have that high amount of possession each game. And I, and I really like that. I really like that Magdeburg made that game interesting um, for the majority of the time. And I think it was, we saw a good football game on Friday night. Um, and that was uh, thanks to both teams. Mm. Um, and that's why they once again showed why Darmstadt is going up and why Magdeburg deserves to stay in the league. Agreed. And you could tell when Darmstadt got the goal, they played a little bit freer. There was a little... Like, the, the shackle was off after two games without scoring a goal. And the pressure... And you knew the pressure continued to build the longer that it was taking to get the goal. They played very tense early on. But once they got the goal, you could see that there was just a release. It's like a... Ah, oh, finally, we've got the goal now. We can start playing football the way that we want to. And it, I, I, it's different, but the way they played on the weekend is, in in my opinion, a glimpse of what we're going to see next season. They are not going to have a lot of the football. That's just clear. They're going to have to be very efficient in front of goal, and they're going to need top draw defending, which they've had all season. You know, the be- league's best defense for a reason. They're going to have to produce that, and that's going to be hard. They need to, They, you know, going up into the Bundesliga, we have seen teams who have had great defensive records in the division, in the Spider Bundesliga, really struggle to not only maintain that, you know, increase that level to, to the division above, but score goals. You see how teams really struggle. Schalke is a great example of a team that looked like a well, Bielefeld as well, 
Bochum. These teams were world beaters either defensively or in the attack area, mainly defensively, go up and they just leak goals. They can't score. What they do in the summer will be interesting. But yes, congratulations to Darmstadt. You are promoted. You can win the title should you win in Fürth on Sunday. Lose, and that title may go to Heidenheim. Who welcomes Zanhaus into the Alpstadion? <sighs> this was a brutal game. This was one-way tra- traffic. The scenario was clear for Zanhausen. They lose. They are going down to the Drusseliga. There is no mathematical equation in the world that could save them. They had to get a result, but they played like a team that just really struggled to get things going. Heidenheim were deafening in the in the way they played the game. They were ruthless. They were aggressive. But they lacked a bit of luck for a lot of the game. They had chance after chance after chance. They were scared when Esvine hit the post in the first half. More chances. They were all queuing up to have a go. And eventually on 68 minutes, they would get their goal. A scene between Kleinitz and Zenger. It was it was an interesting battle between the two at the byline inside the box. Kleinitz wins out and he picks a nice pass to, to Jan Nicholas Bester, who squeezes the ball into the goal, and that was enough to see Heidenheim control their own destiny heading into match day 34. They know that they have to just better Hamburg's result, and they will be promoted for the very first time to the Bundesliga. For Sandhausen, their time in the league is up. They are going down to the Dritteliga. They had moments throughout the period under Gerhard Kleppinger where they were showing a lot of fight, but in this game, they were completely overpowered by a team that is just so much better than they are. Great win for Heidenheim in the end. They absolutely peppered the goal and the Sandhausen defense. It took them a long time to break through, but they were, in truth, very deserving winners in their last home game of the season. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I would kind of say that the first half, you had that chance in the beginning, and then there was like 30 minutes of a whole lot of nothing from, mm. from both teams. Um, and it kind of with the... When... when Bush hits the outside of the net and he kind of mm. is halfway through celebrating. Um, th- then kind of it started that that you, you had it, it really started with the chances uh, at that stage and you could, and then definitely in the second half you could see well we we should probably one of us should win <laughs> one of us should win this game we both need to win someone should pick it up and it was Heidenheim to no such surprise and I mean that Sandhausen game. <laughs> just the way they play really kind of showcased what their problem was all along, that they just can't get in, in, into the final third often enough, um, that they just can't control the place, that they are not the team who puts the last kind of um, yeah power into duels like that and consistency and stuff. Um, and, I mean, that was a bit in that Senga Kleindien's duel. I don't think it's a foul. I think it's a fair... A fair duel in the end. Um, both players fight for the ball. Both players fall down, and Kleinitz is just the one who gets up yeah. quicker. Um, and I think that really, like that duel, really showcased the the problems Sandhausen has this season. And obviously for Heidenheim, it was a highly necessary win. Um, and I mean, they they're going to play another team who's, let's be honest, nearly relegated. Uh, we don't really giving them any sort of chances now um i mean if they can overturn a 15 goal deficit i you know i'll eat my own shoe but let's be honest (laughs) it's not gonna happen it's football we never know um (laughs) no but obviously they they can be a 
uh, there can be a way how they stay in the league, but uh, that's a whole nother different story. Um, um, yeah, but I mean, obviously for Heidenheim, and, and I like that, that you kind of Sandhausen uh, and, and Regensburg are the two teams that kind of can decide who who is going to be the direct um, or who follows Darmstadt into the into the Bundesliga directly. Um, and I think Hamburg has its problems with um, yeah with chances like that. But I don't want to say that Heidenheim is through that as well because they had their problems against Sandhausen as well. So it's going to be. Um, and again, because they play at the same time, mm. the pressure will be up very differently than it was on the weekend. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Obviously, won't see that any of those games live. <laughs> um, uh, you 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 have to go to Matthew on on the on that for for the whole. Uh, but yeah, I think we we have a lot of very interesting matches coming up and again um that's what we love about the league and obviously as neutrals in games like this it's always fun as i i wish every fan who is involved in any sort of deciding game no matter which league uh all the best for the weekend take care of yourself and uh yeah good luck yep there'll be plenty of drinking whether it's happy drinking or sad drinking there will be drinking partaken in those games um but yeah, it's great for Heidenheim. Good situation for them. Controlling your own destiny heading into the final match day. Prime position. You know what you need to do. But they can't really afford to do, in essence, what they did. Wasting chances. Taking... Because we saw Darmstadt do it as well. Got to get the first goal. Break the shackles. Get loose. Feel good about yourselves. And then play the game. Don't... For Heidenheim, they shouldn't even care about what's happening in Zanhausen on the weekend against Hamburg. Focus on yourself, get the result, and the rest takes care of itself. Speaking of Hamburg, let's talk about them. They had the last top spieler of the season at home against Greuther Fürth. Fürth have had something to play for until they didn't because their safety was all but confirmed prior to kickoff. Hamburg, of course, knowing the Heidenheim and Darmstadt results, knew that a win would guarantee themselves a place in the top three, but they don't want to be third once again. Their plan is to be second and going directly up. Furt gave them a game. It wasn't a particularly easy one for Hamburg, and they needed a little bit of luck to open the scoring. Jean-Luc Dompey, he gets credited with an assist, but he basically loses the ball. And Mura Muheim at the edge of the box, whether he meant it or not, and he will definitely claim he meant it, he absolutely caught Andreas Linder off guard and his ball, which definitely shapes like a cross, but it was definitely a shot potentially, hits the crossbar and in. And I think everyone in the stadium would have been shocked. Like, is he shooting? Is he not? Oh, the ball's gone in. Let's go. Let's celebrate. But his second goal in consecutive games. But he's it's a work of art, though. Uh, goal, it's, it's hard being a goalkeeper. People don't understand how hard it's being a goalkeeper because not only was Linder thinking about the ball definitely coming into the box because he's a left footer at the at that edge of the box. But now he's now he's shooting from there. It's hard work. Anyway, Hamburg had their chances in the second half as well, and they were gifted a penalty late uh, on 69 minutes when Glatzel was brought down in the area by uh, Jean Itter. Now, this of course would have been a red card had it been outside the box because it was the last man situation. But inside the box, 
it's a penalty, it's a bad penalty. Laszlo Benish, who came on for Ludovic Reis, who was maybe a little bit lucky to still be on the pitch at the time. That um, before the substitution happened, not for me to judge, uh, Laszlo Benish steps up and scores the goal. Furt then did what Hamburg were hoping they wouldn't do, and that was score, and it was a really easy goal. They went root, they went straight up the guts from, from, from the keeper, Julian Green, and Petkov, his initial shot is, is stopped by Moritz Hyatt, but then he just weaves his way through three Hamburg defenders who are all trying to stop him and failing miserably, and then he scores his second goal in Furt Colors. He's, of course, going back to Augsburg at the end of the season. Then it kind of got a little bit crazy. Bakriyata was given a second yellow card. Um... He was shocked as anyone to get the uh, the sending off. And then uh, Dixon Abiyama was given a straight red card um, towards the end of the game. And your final score is 2-1 to Hamburg. The one thing that might alarm me is that they haven't kept the clean sheet in their last eight games. But they are still winning said games as they had to go to head to Sandhausen on the weekend. This has been kind of the Hamburg we've seen over the last couple of months. It hasn't been particularly pretty. Games have been a lot more even but when the chances have come for Hamburg, they have been able to make the most of them. Yeah, and I mean, um, I, I was impressed with um, what they kind of did in that game for the majority of the time. And I still think that, I mean, it, it, it didn't look like it's going to be a draw in the end for me. Um, I just thought that Hamburg was too stable. And like with the Abiyama sent-off, it was quite mm. clear, which is one of the... like fastest VAR checks I've seen <laughs> this whole season. Like, I think he just, he stands there five meter apart and says, ah, yeah, okay. Um, that's, that's a red card. I'm sorry. You, you are gone. And then obviously both teams turn to 10 men. It was what I, like, that was my problem where I thought it could kind of change because it was such an unnecessary second yellow mm. for Yata with the experience he has don't understand what he does if he knows he already has a yellow card. And especially at that part of the pitch. This is something I couldn't really understand, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think good result for Hamburg. Um, they still don't really have it in their own hands. Um, and But they, they have the opportunity, and this is something they're going to fight for uh, against Sundhausen. Um they they would have probably hoped to play at home, just with the fans in their back and um, and stuff. But they are, yeah, have to have to do it at Sundhausen. It's going to be a, a huge final for them, and obviously for Fürth, I think they're just happy that the season is over. We said this before. Zoniga has enough points where to work on. Obviously, they really really need to kind of find a striker that works well. For the majority of the season, not everything can rely on Nogota. Mm. Uh, and as you've mentioned, Petkov probably going back to Augsburg. Well, we still know if that's going to extend. And it means it also depends on how where Augsburg is going to end up next season. Um, there are still a lot of kind of things. I mean, we, we know Augsburg is going to going to going to make it. Sadly, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, there are a lot of question marks for for Fjord for the next season, but mm. they're just they're just happy they they stay in the league and yeah I mean they they put up a fight in in the second half don't really think in the first half but they they did it in the second half um, 
and yeah put put hamburger and pressure on at times but they after the two no thought it was very difficult for them to to get a result and they obviously as you've mentioned they didn't need to because of the beta federal yeah that's right um it, the the squad build up and how zorniger how they work the transfer windows can be i'm actually really interested to see what they do we know that he's going to want high intensity high pressing type players they need someone who can complement as a as a as a primary striker where you can have Hugurta playing as a ten or as a secondary striker in behind. How that squad is constructed is actually really I'm interested to see how they go. But um, they obviously want to give their fans the, the best sending off by beating Darmstadt on the final match day. You know that's how they do it. And of course Hamburg are at Sandhausen. Uh, usually we would take a break, but we're going to actually go through quickly the. Um, what? Who? Ha- depending on how the situation goes, either Hamburg or Heidenheim will be facing one of. It won't. We Augsburg mathematically can, but they won't. They'd have to lose eight nil, and you know, maybe if they were playing Bayern on the final match day, maybe, but they're not. Um, Stuttgart, who are fifteenth, thanks to beating Mainz, who everyone seems to be beating Mainz at the moment. So good. That's good news for Dortmund. Um, Bochum are currently in the relegation playoff spot after their late 94th minute equaliser against Hertha which meant that Hertha have been relegated to where Hertha may be relegated to we do not know because they need they've got until I think it's June 7th to obtain a DFL licence and a gigantic 8 figure debt 8 figures which good luck to them if they can clear that debt but don't think it'll happen and Schalke are 17th and they travel to Rabba Leipzig and I would have to say that they will definitely go down um, to the side of Bundesliga I will be more than happy if I'm wrong but I would be surprised to be honest they've they, they had their chances midway through the season to to climb themselves up but they weren't able they just lacked the polish in class to to get it done so that's the situation uh, who potentially Hamburg or Heidenheim could face in the two legs. The first leg uh, starts June 1st. Um, that will be at the, the home of the Bundesliga club, whomever that may be. Stick with us and we'll tell you. You'll know all about it uh, on the next episode of the podcast. Now let's make our way to the teams that are trying to avoid the playoff. Because no one wants to be in that situation, being that Spider Bundesliga clubs just have a horrendous record in both playoff games. So we'll talk a bit about Bielefeld first because they have first-hand experience of that particular situation. They welcomed Paderborn to the Bielefeld at Alm. Situation was clear win and you have a potential opportunity of being out of the bottom three heading into the final match day. Any other result would could ensure that they can't go down automatically, but the task will get harder. They started really well in this game. They were positive. They were on the front foot. The same energy that they had in Kaiserslautern was implemented here against Paderborn and they opened the scoring on eight minutes when Brian Lasma ducked and weaved and bobbed and somehow put the ball through a gaggle of players and passed Yannikud for his seventh of the campaign. His last six weeks have been very, very good. He's had good energy and that's what probably makes him the most frustrating player because if he had that same sort of form throughout the campaign, you know, who knows what could have happened. But the thing that has cost Bielefeld a lot this season, besides that, is their inability to defend. And when Marvin Peeringer scored, thanks to a complete defensive meltdown on 24 minutes for his 10th of the campaign, it meant that Bielefeld have gone 
half a season without keeping a clean sheet. I would love to know what the record is. And, of course, the response was, of course, warranted. They had their chances to make it 2-1 when Brian Lasmer was played in from a wonderful ball in from Robin Hack. Absolutely just oozing with class. But, of course, he kicked it straight into the goalkeeper. And that was a theme of Lasmer's day. After scoring the first, he couldn't find the second. And that could have been proved pivotal. But they did take the lead into the break because on 36 minutes, a familiar name to Paderborn fans gave Bielefeld the lead. Sebastian Vassiliadis just drove forward and cut sick from outside the box and it was a wonderful goal to give Bielefeld the break. But we've talked about Bielefeld's fragility in defence and it came once again. When substitute Nicholas Nagy's effort came to Martin Freisel, it seemed like a relatively simple claim. As, as a goalkeeper, I'm just wincing at the fact that he absolutely fumbled the beans and Sir Lloyd Conte was on hand for his sixth goal of the campaign. Paderborn had their chances and Dennis Sabini hit the post on 88 minutes. In Had that goal had gone in, he would have had a, at least a statue built in maybe Furt and certainly, and certainly Rostock and potentially Nordberg as well. But it was no bueno. The score finished 2-2 and it's a case of deja vu a little bit here. Um, it was a good home performance from Bielefeld, but two things that stood out. They didn't capitalize when they were on top in the game and they were made to pay for it later on. And defensively, you look at both goals and they come from just really bad errors. You look at the first goal, the cross coming in. Klunter has no awareness that Peering is behind him. The other guy, defenders on the line just watch the ball come in stationary and the second goal is just a clear goalkeeping error it is tough in that area where the ball kind of is bouncing up but Freisel doesn't get his body behind the ball he lets his arms hang out and that's where the error comes so Eva I'll ask you heading into the final match day we're off to you're off to Magdeburg in what will be a massive game potentially a season it is a season defining game whether you win and you could be safe or it will be the playoffs, and of course, we don't need to be reminded of what happened nine seasons ago. So, what was your impression on the game itself um, against Paderborn um, from both both ends of the spectrum? There were some good moments, of course, attacking wise, but again, it just it feels a little bit empty that they you probably could have got a little bit more out of the game um, as a whole. Yeah, it's very frustrating because, like, with everything that has happened, like that we were without Okugawa and without Ramos, and just from, just from, it could have been much worse. Let's put it like that. But it's so frustrating because you score the first goal, and at least in my head, it was like, so how long is this gonna last? Mm. And you score the second goal, and it's how long is this gonna last? And the thing is. But Lucas Kvasniok said in the press conference after the game, the only good thing about the first half is, was there were only one goal down. Mm. Um, and he said we should have been two or three goals down in the first half. And that, if that, if the other coach says that about your team, you can see that over Koshina it was just like, <laughs> gee, thanks. That's, that's <laughs> my problem. <clears throat> um, and obviously that's, has been a huge problem. And the thing is, just from the pure... I've seen a lot of Bielefeld games this season, as mentioned before, and I've seen a lot of bad ones. This was not a bad, bad mm. game. And, I mean, Paderborn still had something to play for, at mm. least in, in theory. Um, and 
you can't even like hack Hans Paul Lassmer. They they did well. Yeko, mm. um, th- the way he celebrated was for safe versus Muslia, which was very very good. How he's praised by Freiser, but it's just like. I don't know how Ryan Lesmer scores the first goal from, in my perspective, a much more difficult scene because he has to turn around twice, go around a player and then score. And makes it very easy for Hood at some stage to to get the ball three times because he has, this, he has only one way of trying to score a goal. How? Just how? It, it's, it's so frustrating and... Yeah, obviously the only good thing about that game in the end is that we didn't have a yellow card suspension for mm. the game on Sunday. Um, you could see it, but it was kind of weird having close being taken off at some stage um, and kind of not knowing whether this was his last home game. Mm. And in Bielefeld colours, I think everyone in, in the stadium was like, yeah, guys, we have the relegation game, let's be honest. Um, it, nobody, like I've met one person... One Bielefeld fan who is sure we're not going to end up in the playoff spot. Kudos to you. <laughs> don't know where you take that from. I don't have it. Um, I mean, yeah, and in the end, um, put up on a good chances to, to make it 3-2. That's at least where we have learned from our mistakes against Karlsruhe. Mm. Top. Um but yeah, I think uh, a win for Paderborn wouldn't have been deserved, uh, and I think that's what um, Kvasniuk said as well. If you see the whole ninety minutes, um, we deserved the draw in the end, but a win wouldn't have been deserved. And he also says because of his short stay at Bielefeld, um, mm. they're gonna do everything to keep Bielefeld in the league next season and uh, in the league next match day. Um, mm don't know what what that means um because obviously they play nuremberg like i'm i'm not we have to look i mean that that's the thing but if i would have put themselves in a position where they don't have to help for other teams want to quickly say again that what a couple of fans did on the weekend like obviously i hope for results as well Mm. but to just be a fan of another team on like openly and it's just very embarrassing and very mm. weird, like what a couple of Rostock fans did here in the Paderborn game and, and Nuremberg fans like, Jesus, um, <laughs> don't want to be you and don't really like mm. do it in private, but please don't do it openly because it tends to not, I, I'm not taking you seriously anymore. Let's put it like that. Yeah, look, it, it, this is the, and, and for, this is the situation that unfortunately Bielefeld actually finds themselves in where they're going to have to secretly cheerlead for other teams to to get results um, for Bielefeld to avoid... Secretly. I said... Key word is secretly, as I you said, mentioned. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah, made sure discreetly, just hidden, you know, um, much like what I'm going to have to do on the weekend as well. But um, <laughs> Bielefeld have a way to automatic safety, and they require um, Nürnberg and Bra- one of Nürnberg or Braunschweig not to win, and and Bielefeld wins in Magdeburg because Bielefeld's superior goal difference. We talk about how important goal difference can be down the stretch. Bielefeld's superior goal difference 
at least gives them a chance that if there is a ch- where there is a situation where there are level on points, Bielefeld is in position A. The problem is they have to win. They can't draws no good in this scenario. Well, is it? Hang on, I wrote the I wrote the article on it. Hang on. Yeah, draws are no good because they're two points behind. So good thing that I wrote a thing about it yesterday and I don't remember yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, they have to win. That there's no secrets about it. They must win and they need results to be favorable. Braunschweig and Nuremberg can both draw, and it's good news for Bielefeld, but they have to win in Magdeburg. That is a non-negotiable. Speaking of Braunschweig, let's talk about them. They had Jan Regensburg. Regensburg was still in the hunt to survive. They had to win and hope that Bielefeld did not draw. They had to lose. They needed Bielefeld to lose to keep their slim hopes of the playoffs alive. Whereas Braunschweig, they knew victory would guarantee safety. A draw would get them in a position where they only needed one point for safety. Defeat opens the door to the playoff. So they took no chances when in 90 seconds into the game they took the lead. Off a, off a, off a throw in. Brilliant bit of one-touch football from Braunschweig. It finds Emmanuel Fry, Tor, Braunschweig, and you're thinking, they're up for it. This is the game that Braunschweig are just going to run over the top of Jan. We saw Jan get pumped the week before. This is happening. This did not happen because... I would say midway-ish, you know, 20 minutes into the first half, Regensburg came to play. And what an effort they produced. On 21 minutes, they opened the scoring. And it's not Christian, like I accidentally called Charolampus Marcritus on the weekend. But his goal, oh boy, that was special. That was top draw from the area of the pitch he was in being draped with Braunschweig players to put the ball in that situation to beat Ron Torbert Hoffman. Yes, great goal. He's third of the campaign, but he would not finish this game. He was sent off later on. Then they would get a penalty when Philip Benkovic, who's been Braunschweig's most reliable defender all season, fouls. Prince Owusu, who was a first-half substitute when Khan Kalaskana went off with an injury. Owusu steps up and he just produces one of the worst. Just a really poor penalty, and Hoffman makes the save. The crowd goes up, and it's all good, and you're thinking, okay, maybe momentum is changing. It did not, because after the break, Regensburg would take the league, and just great football. They moved the ball with such ease and grace past the midfield of Braunschweig, and a great ball to find a Wusu, and a Wusu with a Braunschweig player draped on him, squeezing the ball out of reach of Hoffman, Right in that place where the goalkeeper usually can't get it. That side netting right where the post is. 2-1. He gets 7th of the campaign. And that is your game. A 2-1 win means that they are... Mathematically, they could. But they have to overturn that 15-goal difference. So in my books, they are relegated as well. Um, it, it it didn't end there for Regensburg. Oh my god, I've forgotten how to speak. It didn't end there for Regensburg because yesterday it was announced that sporting director Tobias Werner, who joined from Jena in the winter, he will not be there. And his replacement, I believe, is going to be former Regensburg coach Akim Bayerlotzer. That's the news on them. No question about it. There is a familiarity that Braunschweig fans might remember. In the past five seasons, they have, I believe they've only won once in the final two match days. They have this problem, and the last time they were in the Spider Bundesliga, this exact thing happened where they lost the two games, including, I think, losing 6-0 on the final match day at Kiel, and they were relegated. Now, they can't automatically go down, but 
We've seen this story before with Braunschweig. This is not unfamiliar to them. Even in their promotion season, they were beaten by Victoria Köln on the final match day, which shouldn't have happened. This is not news. This is not news stories for Braunschweig. They understand the situation, but how they how they played after the one nil seemed very naive. Uh, almost like they were expecting Regensburg to lie down. They did not expect Regensburg to give them a game, and they were punished for it. And I mean, that's the thing. This is um, you. You shouldn't be too safe if you're or too sure about your position. Um, and this is why you have three teams kind of fighting on the last match day who are paying for the naivety. I can't speak that word. I can't pronounce that word. So they're they're just being punished for them being essential stupid. I'm not. I'm, not tr- trying to 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 pronounce the the more eloquent word for that now. Um, <laughs> just oh, just oh, go. Leave I me won't with say it. It. I'm, yeah, it. I'm not fine. Um, <laughs> because we speak about Braunschweig, Nuremberg, and Bielefeld, and all. I mean, we're going to speak about Nuremberg next, but all three teams have their kind of story. Braunschweig has their history and also their story this season. Why, where, where we thought they were already done and dusted and they fought their way back up. And then at some point I had the feeling, I said, and oh, now nothing can happen to us. And you, you kind of had the feeling like after the derby when they were like, okay, nobody can hurt us now. Um, and this kind of, this kind of was shown in that game where uh, they were very good mm. at first. Like they, um, they were the better team. Um, I liked how they outplayed that throw-in that led to the first goal. Um, and then they had everything to play for because Regensburg was already in. They were not good. Then they had to. Then Carlos Kana had to be subbed off. They had to restructure. Mm. They score the goal, and then Braunschweig completely loses it. Mm. And Jan is better and. Then you had a very, I mean, we talked about a lot about Jonas Urbik this season. In my opinion, was fantastic in that game, especially towards the end. Mm. Um, and in that second half, uh, that that save against Bonga is very, very good. Mm. Um, and even when Makridis is sent off, yeah. um, you you didn't really have the feeling, or I didn't really have the feeling that Braunschweig has any sort of gain in this game it, mm-hmm. it looked to me that Ringsburg was in time just on danger wise was closer to the third goal than Braunschweig was to the second one and this is not ideal going to that last match against Rostock for them it's good that Rostock has nothing to play for because when we talk about the next game it's going to be clear Rostock is safe Rostock stays in mm. um, but it's Rostock's last home game of the season and for Braunschweig, they really, they really have to be careful in the last game. And obviously, similar to Bielefeld and Nuremberg, it's not in their own hands. Mm. Obviously, yeah. um, and then, then obviously you have the story Bielefeld in the past, and they thought, well, we can't be relegated twice in a row, um, and they have to win. I think like they're the only team that has to win, um, mm-hmm. really. Um, and then obviously you have Nuremberg who has been in some sort of relegation playoff before, mm. um, where they were very lucky not to get relegated. Oh, yeah. um, and, and we've seen it in the past with some stage, that luck is going to 
going to run out. Um, and yeah, like as of now, if, if I wouldn't be a fan of one of those three teams um, and have of, obviously my preference, I still couldn't tell you which team we're going to see in 16th place come 5.30 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Um, and that's good for everyone else, but it's very, very bad for each team because you don't really... If you talk to Nürnberg fans, I think Braunschweig fans have the most confidence because for them, they're like... Mm. The way they fall down, it's like the yeah. lightest in a way because they mm-hmm. were promoted team. But like, just look at Bielefeld and Nürnberg fans. They they are battling who is who is worse off and who is <laughs> going to be. I'm excuse my my words, but who is going to fuck it up more? Um, we. I, yeah, I have to like, put the explicit. I in have now. my Thanks. tendency. <laughs> yeah, you just been here. It's okay. I, I have my tendency who is going to be. Novak fan have the same tendency. Um, mm. Like, they have another tendency, which is their own club, I think. Mm. I, I love that confidence in their, in your own club. Nuremberg and Bielefeld fans like, uh uh-uh. uh. Where, where should come from? Obviously, um, it's going to be huge. And I couldn't tell you what's going to happen because, yeah. And I mean, um, just what I said before, I'm just going to quickly touch on that before I forget. When you talked about the Hertha thing, the thing is, it's we will have a huge, huge problem with the playoff competition mm. if it happens. What we think could happen is that Hertha doesn't get the 40 million plus. <laughs> um, mm. And they have to tell that to the DFL and that's going to be at some sort of beginning of June. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then if Hertha is not relegated indeed to the Zweite Liga, but to the Dritte or the Fourth, um, there will be the Zweite Bundesliga and the Dritte Liga have to kind of rearrange the places. And that means that the no matter what the 16th place does, they're going to stay in. If mm-hmm. they lose the playoffs or not, they're going to stay in. If they win, number 17 mm-hmm. is going to stay in, in the league. Um which is, of course, Ringsburg at the moment. So this is their only uh, way of staying in the league. Um, so they, they're, we are going to be um, anti-Hatter fans probably. Week. <laughs> 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 I... um, no, but obviously this is uh, this is not not cannot explain mm. cannot be explained in a no. in this sort of podcast. And I have to admit, I don't have enough knowledge of that sort of. DFL rules, uh, Hertha, what the Hertha contract says, what the rules state there, and and the whole thing and the whole process. So, I'm just gonna hope that I'm just gonna focus on the on what my team does on the pitch first uh, of all. Yeah. They they just should be done with them. We don't have to care about what Hertha does. <laughs> well, yeah. So getting back to Braunschweig, they are in the best situation out of the three teams, in that a draw is actually enough, or as long as Nuremberg don't win. Whatever Bielefeld does at that point, it doesn't matter. Um, should Braunschweig lose in the Rostock, a Nuremberg draw is enough for safety for them. And a Bielefeld win would mean that Braunschweig would be 16th and in the playoff. And I know that there is a particular club in Niedersachsen that is predicting that this will be the case. And kudos to those fans who 
are definitely willing the, the downfall. Our last touch on, on Regensburg. They actually had the third goal, um, but it was offside, Andreas Albers, and then Nicholas Shipnovsky cracked the crossbar. So they definitely could have had it, made it three or four. They were the better team and a good win, despite the fact that their journey is up. I hope I hope we see Jonas Erbeek again in the Spider Bundesliga. You know, 19-year-old, plenty of potential. Coming in one of the most difficult situations for a young goalkeeper who's just trying to get regular matches. He's been impressive for the situation he's been in. I, I hope that we see him again. Uh, I'm not sure who will take him, uh, being that he's only on loan from Köln, but I'd love to see him again. I think he showed really good potential. Right, let's talk about the Rostock game. Um, Sch- Schalke might need uh, a goalkeeper. Just don't. It, it's, it's not might needs a goalkeeper because if I'm correct, that they are strongly considering starting Michel Langer in Leipzig. Just to, yeah, that's how bad he's still there. Yeah, yeah, he is. I know. What about him? Yeah. Right. Well, that's because most Schalke fans want to forget about Alexander Schwalov. But you know, well, he can go back to Herder next season because remember he's on loan there. He can play Dritte Liga football, maybe. Or Swider Bundesliga, depending on where he's going to be. Uh, we are going to talk about the Nuremberg-Rostock game. As Eva alluded to, Rostock are safe because they managed to keep a goalless draw against Nuremberg. It means five in a row for them in terms of being unbeaten. What a frustrating watch this would have been for any neutrals or any Nuremberg fans. Because Rostock went full bus parkage I mean there was buses and there was like they they might have parked the Ostish Stadion in front of the goal that's how parked the bus was especially after half time they had scored a goal on the cusp of half time when Kai Pruger's set piece found its way to Damian Rosbach and he had scored but he was offside comfortably had he left the ball for Niels Fruling on the other hand and that had gone in that's a good goal. Frilling was onside. Um, Nuremberg just dominated the second half. They had chance after 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 chance. You get the point. They had tons of chances, but boy, were they wasteful. They looked like a team that was one of the worst attacking teams in the league, and they proved it. The best chance fell to Tim Hanverker moments before the 90 came to a break. It fell to him. All he has to do is put the ball on target, and it's probably a goal. But he kicks the ball into Rosehead, just gun under it. The draw was great for Rostock. They, you know, considering that they lost their first three games under Alias Schwartz, which we've all forgotten probably. 13 points out of possible 15 in their last five games. And Rostock, who were absolutely cooked for all money, are safe for another league in this, another another year in the Spider Bundesliga. So congratulations to them for Nuremberg. Well, they were. They were unlucky, but they were lucky at the same time. That free kick that led to the goal that was not a goal in the end. I'm not entirely 100% on the rule, but Carl Klaus does handle the ball at some stage outside the box. Which, from my recollection of when I played, that would be a red card. It It is not because it's not a clear... Um, like, it's not a clear shot on goal. Mm. Um, this is why, for example, Hoot was sent off in the yep. game against Paderborn because Huck yeah. would have been free That's right. um, on goal. Mm. Um, and because there was not a clear chance. Uh, because in the end, he has the ball. And like it's 
he clings together with Kastrop, yep. and there's not a clear chance on target mm. for Rostock, and that's why it's not a red card. Mm. Um, it's like similar with yep. fouls, just in general, because he, it's not like. Regardless, he's yeah. very lucky in in that regard. Because, yeah, because that. Yeah, and he could, nearly. Yeah. Chaos his his well, colleague, and he nearly fumbles the ball to a Rostock player. <laughs> Who would have been on goal? Like it would have just been a disastrous. Not solid in that team. No, anyway. he, he looked like a goalkeeper who hasn't played a lot of football, which is true. He hasn't. Um, let Let's actually talk. Let's Let's deconstruct this because. Let's not. Out of <laughs> well, not the game. The game was awful, and there were people who willingly watched this for ninety plus minutes. Don't envy those types of people. Most of us watch the yeah, conference. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. <laughs> um uh, Nuremberg arguably has the hardest game out of the three teams we've spoken about. Paderborn are very strong at home. Great attacking side. Nuremberg are just awful in the final third and they proved that in a game that they, they should have won against Rostock. The danger is real for them. I don't think they win on the weekend. Like I genuinely can't see a situation where they somehow jank a 1-0 win. Paderborn will want to go out on a high because they want to prove to people not only is this team good enough for next season when they go and recruit and try and improve their squad because they are going to be a promotional threat next season. No question about it. They've got the they've got the tools in place. They've got a good sporting director who actually knows what he's doing. They've got a clear vision. They build their good. Nuremberg, on the other hand, their fans have, uh, have had enough. You know, they they're the banner they had at the, at the game was, was the first clear message to... The people in charge that this is not this is not good enough. This cannot stand. Yeah. And and they're right. Like they were, they never should have lost this game. They, they, it felt like a loss. They drew nil nil, but they they should never have been in a situation where you have such domination against a team that was not even playing at in the second half. No shots in the second half. Like they just weren't trying at all. They have every right to be upset. And the only person who actually talked to one of the, the, the ultras was Enrico Valentini, who didn't even play. It just shows of a club that is in real disharmony with itself and should be really concerned about the situation going forward. They were good in they were good-ish in this game, but they weren't good enough. And that is a great summation for their season as a whole. Yeah, and I mean you just have to say, um, it was very, for them, they were in a way fortunate enough to be the last team of the mm. whole number of teams to play because they they had a clear cut-off plan what to do mm-hmm. compared to the other teams. Yep. And as a Nuremberg fan, I would have been not, like, not even angry, but just speechless probably mm. because the performance they put on the pitch in the first half <sighs> which was not there and then in the second half well it was clear that Rostock is very happy with the result as it is mm. the quality of chances they had mm. was so bad that you didn't really, even when they were in good positions to score goals, you didn't have the feeling it's going to be a goal. And that hand back chance, which goes not even close to the goal, 
what's their best chance of the game? Mm. And as you've mentioned, we know they've won before in Paderborn mm. uh, this season, or against Paderborn at home. Mm, they were lucky in that um, game too. They were lucky in that game. And the difference is, obviously, Paderborn didn't have a good game against Bielefeld, but... I don't see how Nuremberg wants to put themselves in a position where they go 1-0 up, as you've mentioned. I, I don't see where, and I see where they can make themselves very, very, very vulnerable with losing possession. We don't know what's ha- going to happen with Lord Kemper. He has to, mm. had to be subbed off. Um, it's going to be... And, yeah, it's... As mentioned before, I, I don't really see it. And I mean, in the end, that's the thing. They can't play for a nil-nil there because they can't. Mm. Like, we had that before as well, that you have had moments or, or minutes um, between two games where the one, one game was already over and the other one played for five minutes more. And then you can change from, okay, we're safe to okay, you're gone. Like, you have an extra game to play now. And this is going to be very tight for them. And obviously, for Dieter Hacking, everything is on the line because he's responsible for the squad and now he's responsible for the squad in another way. And there was not only one, but like three or four banners against everything. And Nuremberg is in a place where no matter where they're at, they can't see that as a chance, but as like a warning sign. It's don't put this as a chance. You had the chance like three, three mm-hmm. seasons ago, yep. and look at what you're at now. And as a Nuremberg fan, I can completely understand why you wouldn't be happy and why, in a way, I you don't really put trust in that team anymore. And I think that's always if you don't have in any way trust in what the team does, that's always where it, it pains you the most yeah we've seen the, the same situation three years in a row the difference being um they have gotten they they started to progress under robert klaus but their same issue continued to plague them in all three seasons they can't score goals and they just you know they find partial solutions temporary options short-term solutions but nothing that has stuck and you're like yep they've found they've cracked the code they 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 can they can do it dangerous it is seriously dangerous i i'm convinced that that paderborn team if they score early will make it ugly it could get ugly it really could so let's see how that plays out because before we take our final break let's see what's happened in the drift league just to give you a quick update so, Esval Elversburg, they are going up. Uh, they drew with Vejn Wiesbaden on the weekend, and thanks to results going their way, they are going to be in the Spider Bundesliga for the very first time. Congratulations to them. What's of interest is the four teams who are still remaining in the hunt for not only direct promotion, but the playoff. Valfell Osnabrück are in pole position. Their win on the weekend in against Victoria Köln and Wiesbaden not winning means that they are theoretically second. They're third on the table because Freiburg's why can't come up to the Spider Bundesliga, thank God. Wiesbaden are theoretically third in the playoff spot. Tied with Osnabrück, but Osnabrück has the goal difference. Zabrücken 
are in the mix, but they blew their chance against Duisburg. Duisburg, who had nine men on the ground, and they couldn't find a third goal. And Dynamo Dresden is the last of those teams, but they were beaten 4-1 at Meppen on Monday night to the pleasure of a lot of people, um, and especially some of the things that were said in the post-match by a particular manager that justified a lot of people's jubilation, and that Ernst Mittendorp is, in fact, in charge of the revolution. So he, you know, Meppen are going down to the Regionalliga, but um, maybe he can rise them up again. You know, they've got a good, you know, they're a very good women's team. It'd be good to see a club that was in the Bundesliga over 30 years ago, um, at least in a higher position. Let's take our last break, and on the other side, we're going to talk about the three games that mightn't have had much in terms of interest, but, uh, boy, some of those games were actually the best ones to watch in the match day. We're going to start at the Holstein Stadion when Holstein Kiel hosted St. Pauli. St. Pauli did have something to play for. They knew if they won and Hamburg defeat, that would keep the door ajar. It's not a lot ajar, but a potential chance of making it to the playoff. They hosted Holstein Kiel in a Nord derby. These two teams don't like each other, but two but players have come and gone between the two sides. One of those players is Finn Bartles. He won the opening penalty 28 minutes in the game when he was fouled by, I want to say it was Carol Metz who was the foul was against, or was it Nikolai Vasil? It was, well, I mean, it was a it was a St. Pauli sandwich in, in the end penalty. Steven Skribski tore his 15th of the campaign. If he could somehow score three goals in the final match day in Hanover, he will equal the kill record for most goals in a single season in the Spider Bundesliga. Post that, it was St. Pauli who were ruthlessly efficient and they had a period of time where they just completely outmusted Kiel. It started with a goal just before the break when Dapo Afalayan, his initial effort was blocked, but he persisted and persistence paid off and he scored and it was 1-1 at the break. They would get the second goal through an own goal from Halkaval, who yesterday it was announced would be joining St. Pauli on a four-year deal, taking his contract until 2026. Um, and St. Pauli, interestingly enough, made it clear that he scored one of the goals um, on one of their Twitter posts uh, yesterday uh, with a little highlights package, so that was quite funny. Uh, Lucas Dashner scored the third on 61 minutes, a wonderful piercing pass, found him in his first-time effort, found the top corner, and then learnt Pacarada with a really all-too-easy goal. The kill defence just basically stopped, and him and Pacarada and Saad were basically playing keep away and Pacarada scoring his second campaign in his penultimate game for St. Pauli. So at 4-1, you could be excused to thinking that this game was absolutely cut and dry gone. Michael Commender scored on 78 minutes to make it 4-2. And then when Dapper Affelein was given his second yellow card, a really silly second yellow, let's be frank, it gave Kiel a little bit of life. On 93 minutes, Fabian Reese scored, and it was built for a tight end with the extension of the added time. But Kiel couldn't find a fourth goal, and they were made to pay. One person that, of course, a lot of people were thinking about with all the things going on with Herta is, of course, Fabian Reza, whose career is basically in limbo now um, if Herta can't get a license because he was set to join them in the summer. So, we know that Kiel were, and Marcel Rapp in particular, he was not a happy man. I've never seen someone aggressively handshake a, an opponent in Fabian Hertzler post-game. It was, uh, it was aggressive, a bit too angry. Um... They're a team that's going to have a lot of change in the summer. They've got a lot of players leaving the squad, um, and there could be more on the way. Um, but they, that that middle phase of the game, especially after halftime, was so poor. 
defensively, they just completely shut down. They looked like a team that had already got holidays on the mind. They know that they were safe. Um, they came back from their holiday late in the game to make it interesting. But um, I think they deserve to lose. They just were so they were very inefficient with their chances. And St. Pauli, as we have come to know, they had four shots on target in this game, and they scored four goals. That says all you need to know about this game. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, was in a way it was a very typical game um, mm. where they, as soon as they concede, they keep on conceding uh, in very weird ways. And um, yeah, whether other team is efficient, they are not. Mm. Um, I think you can put it like that. But yeah, I think just for for neutrals, were a funny game to watch uh, because both teams made their mistakes. Like we were back to Zhang Pauli being defensively unstable. Um, in in some parts of the game, in some alarming parts of the game, um, with Vasil and um, Milic to to name two who were not really there. And I mean, you had that one scene who where it could have been three four earlier when Vasil just hits Irvine with his shot. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean they they made themselves it, it even more difficult when Alphalion got sent off, as you've mentioned. Just something... Just, why? <laughs> We've seen a lot of very, why? Mm. <laughs> Second yellows this match day. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, in the end, a very, I, I wouldn't say a very typical end of the season game. And I mean, Kilo's one last game against Hanover, and I mean how Hanover played. Mm. We're going to talk about them next. Well, you can expect uh, probably the same result, but obviously good to see Finn Bartels getting getting the applause yeah. when he was subbed off in his last home game for Shenkyu. Yeah. Um, was, yeah, he played his last ever home game in football, and he's going to play his last football game on the weekend against Hanover. Yeah. This this um, particular section in particular in particular had plenty of farewells, and we'll get to uh, one of the important ones in the next game. But yeah, look, this game was loose. Um, you know, it was fun. It was energetic. Both teams were really going for it. Um, it's exciting, of course, because like you want you want them to. If you're a fan of one of these teams where you've got nothing really to play for, you want them to play with a bit of. I don't want to say fun, but you know, just like, just free. Jogo Bonita, really fun. It's 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 good football to watch, and something that you wouldn't see if you had something to play for. You know, and both teams did that, and you know, that, it's great for Bartles. He won the penalty. Um, he's had a great career with with multiple clubs like Kiel, St. Pauli, Bremen. He's been a good player for a long time and, you know, he deserves all the plaudits he gets and fair play to the uh, the silver-haired Messi. He's been a fun... He's been a joy to watch. So, kudos to you. Good sir. Um, St. Pauli, I've got are at, uh, at home to Karlsruhe. Uh, remember the last time those two teams played and we mentioned it last week, how different it was then, now with the shackles off and there's nothing really at stake. Wonder if we'll get a repeat performance. Now, let's head to Dusseldorf. Uh, they hosted Hanover, as Eva alluded to. And boy, wasn't this a fun game. Out of all the games to watch on Sunday, this was the game. Or if you watched the conference, you got all the goals. If you didn't choose to watch the conference or this game, 
you missed out on it on two teams who just really just went for it. They had fun. It was great. Fortuna looked good early, but they conceded with thanks to the ruthless efficiency early on of Hanover. Cedric Toykert opening the scoring. Brilliant goal. Really nice. And then Louis Sharp, who's got a bit of interest from clubs, um, but he's expected to stay on 21 minutes. Wonderful through ball to find Sharp. Schaub, and he just busted the ball at the near post of Florian Kastamai, who perhaps if he'd got his body behind the ball might have put a limb. He's frustrating to watch the goalkeeper, and I'll explain why with the last goal. But then one player in particular decided, you know what? This ends now. And it happens to be an ex-Hanover player, Felix Klaus. He scored on 30 minutes to give them hope from a set piece, and that was a thunder bolster that cracked the crossbar. Some say the crossbar is still rattling. That's how hard he hit it. And then he would score again on 52 minutes, the ball coming to him at the back post, and he said, thank you very much. I'll take two. The celebration was nice and classy. Of course, it was Reuven Hennings' last home game for Fortuna Dusseldorf. He's leaving the club as a player to continue his career. But when he re- retires from football, he has a job with Dusseldorf coaching youth football. So that's good for Reuven. He's real, really, maybe he's going to end up at Karlsruhe or we're going to get Hennings and Stindl. That's the reminiscence of that. Who knows? Um, they thought they had a penalty midway through the second half um, when Yannick Diem, well, initially it was thought he'd fouled Daniel Ginchek, but that was a perfect tackle. Great defending by Dean. But Ginchek would get his goal on 77 minutes. It was Klaus who found him. And the comeback was complete. Daniel Tune was absolutely fired up. But they let themselves down a little bit. They kind of sat back and Hanover said, we'll take it from here. And Maximilian Bayer, in his second to last game with Hanover, beats Kastamai at the near post. His positioning for that goal is so bad. What are you? Where, why are you there? Why are you defending the far post in that situation? Like you can't even blame him for. You can't even say you were unsighted. I could see the ball from from the position that he was at. Why aren't you covering the near post? If you get beaten at the far post from a worldie, tip your cap. Can't be beaten at the near post there. Poor goalkeeping. I have to say he's been good. He's been solid this season, but you literally put him in a situation where he has to he has to save shots from outside the box, and he he can't do it efficiently enough, and he was punished here. Result means not a lot. It means Dusseldorf can't mathematically claim third, uh, but they will fight with um, Paderborn and St. Pauli for for fourth. Hanover they will they are ninth. Um, they move you know they stay ninth. Um, Heading into the final game, they'll be hoping to make it a plus goal difference when they welcome 10th placed Kiel. Um, Dusseldorf are at Kaiserslautern. Great game to watch. This was fun. Both teams really played loose and free, and you know they they you know both sides looked to attack, and it was fun. I as a neutral when this game was on, it was one that I was tempted to just switch to, but of course wanting to keep the news and everyone up to date. This is what you do. Um, it was a fun game. Both teams played well. Is Was there, for me, excluding Felix Klaus, who was brilliant in this game, anyone else that stood out to you? Oh, probably Cedric Toyshard once again, mm. uh, who could be uh, just that really, really key factor for Hanover next season. If he stays, we don't really know with all that. And But I, mm. I'm sure he's going to stay. Um, he, he stood out for me. Um, definitely, I love that um, Klaus hold up the, the 
held up the Hennings jersey, mm. um, and you could say that Hennings just made the heart to him and meant a lot to him. Um, and then it, yeah, meant a lot to the fans and stuff. But yeah, just in general, um, both teams are just. I think we're one team was just very happy for that just that game to not count anything anymore with Hanover Düsseldorf obviously still a bit salty with not having something to play for mm. at this stage um, and you could kind of see that in, in, in both teams mm. um, but yeah for both like especially for Düsseldorf there's going to be a restructuring in summer um, and there uh, yeah a lot of Things for those Alves to to target for the next season, obviously, and uh, we're gonna see how that's going to end. That we will, and it, it is going to be interesting. There's a, a a person that I met in in Melbourne. His name's Lawrence, who's new listener to the podcast. Hi, Lawrence. We uh, did audio descriptive training for the the Women's World Cup. I unfortunately didn't get it, but hopefully Lawrence will. Um, and funnily enough, this is. Looking into the season, if we take a retrospective, this was a game that you would have penciled in as two sides who have got it all to play for in a position to either be in the playoff or for, for automatic promotion. It felt so weird that these two sides weren't in that situation. <laughs> and it had there was no rule, there was nothing to play for except table position. It just felt odd, but it was a great game of football. It was really enjoyable. But it shows what these two teams can do. Like they they have the potential. That's the frustrating thing about Hanover is that they clearly have, you know, over the last few weeks when they knew they couldn't go down, look how much better they're playing. They're playing with such freedom and excitement, and that is the football they need to. They they should be playing. <laughs> Play like that. Obviously, defensively they crumbled for a little bit, but in attack they were great. Their transition play was good when they got to wide areas. When they got guys like Derek Kuhn involved, who, by the way, if they do sell him, that's ten million euros. That's the that's how much Hanover wants. Um, like, yeah, they like they're fun. They can be fun. That's like if I was a Hanover fan, I'd be like, if we could just play like this, we we are gonna be in the mix next season. So we now know what it looks like. Now can we do it for thirty-four match days? Oh. It's there. We'll see. They've got Kiel, uh, Dusseldorf, same situation, but how they replace David Kovnatsky, who's obviously at Werder Bremen next season. That was announced yesterday. Thanks, Werder. Um, they've got Kaiserslautern on the final match day, and we will now talk about them because they had Karlsruhe in a Sudvest derby. Great atmosphere at the field park. Um, you know, I think the stadium's nearly completed, so they can finally... Live up. I mean, twenty. You know, just under twenty-four thousand. Good crowd. They had great atmosphere. It was a farewell game for Daniel Gordon, who's who's going to retire at the end of the season. Uh, he got the start, and he was God. He was good. He was great. He was fantastic. Marius Gersbeck was great, and they had to be great because Kaiserslautern had so many chances. Terence Boyd, Aaron Apoku, so many good opportunities to make something happen, and they wasted them. And they were punished for it. Budu Zivzivatse, the Georgian striker who came during the winter, who hasn't scored this season. It took a little bit of luck. The ball deflected his way, but he made sure to finish that ball at the back of the net. Was checked for VAR because he looked... Initially, it was given as offside. 
Um, and as I as I mentioned, uh, unless his ass was keeping him offside, it's a good goal. And with the check, a quick check, goal for Karlsruhe. Uh, Karlsruhe kept going forward, but they couldn't find an equaliser. And um, we saw eventually Daniel Gordon was subbed out of the game for Florian Ballas, who's also leaving the club at the end of the season. Gordon uh, overcome with emotion, as you can understand. He's a real, he's really had a lot of feeling for Karlsruhe since he joined from Zanhausen many years ago. And um, yeah, even even the, the neutrals could feel a bit, could feel the emotion. He came in and they scored again. A terrible defensive error from Kaiser Slouten. Paul Nebel comes in and as Luther comes to, to make himself big, oh, what a beautiful ice cold chip from Nebel. He may have shushed the away Kaiser Slouten fans, but the first person he embraced was Daniel Gordon and three valuable points for Karlsruhe. Karlsruhe are eighth, thanks to the victory. Seventh, actually, sorry. They're seventh um, against... Uh, and they actually leapfrog um, Kaiserslautern on goal difference by one heading into the final match day. Um, I don't really know who to talk about. Let's actually talk about Kaiserslautern because much like Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga, they have had a horrible Rookrunde. Uh They are the 15th best team. They've only won four times in the 16 games. And maybe I w- I'm imagining things, but... I sense there's a little bit of pressure on Dirk Schuster. There has been chatter, potentially. I might have dreamt it up. I'm not sure. But um, there, there's a little bit of displeasure the way they've ended the season. You know, winless in their last five. They've thrown away some games. Um, you know, they're going to finish in the top half of the table, most likely. But the way they've ended the season, the way they've defended some situations, you look at the game last week against Bielefeld, that goal should never happen, but it did. And, you know, the two... Like, they should have won... They should have been in a position where they didn't drop all three points in this game. They were worthy enough to get a point. But just the individual errors, you could sense the frustration on on the touchline. It hasn't been a good end to the season, and... Yeah, they're another team that you get, everyone will look at and be like, what are they going to do in the in the summer? Because clearly there's something, there are a lot of things that need to be addressed because the team that was known as the comeback kids, the team that was able to find a way to get results, the team that would just continuously fight, they just, they can't, they're just not efficient. They're not efficient in what they do and they were punished for it. Yeah, but I just think that's the biggest problem Kaiserslautern has, their self-understanding. Like, mm. I, I get that they know what they're coming from, but they have to know where they're coming from in the past five years. Mm. Not historically in past 30 years, mm. but in the past five years. And you, you can't allow any kind of chatter in terms of that to come up. Because look where they're at. They're in such a position where you shouldn't do that like I'm sorry but they got promoted last season um don't start that now because you will end up in the Dota Liga then again next mm. season because they can't afford that yep. they're in a position where where they should be humble to where they're now and I I do think that Kaiserslautern belongs in the Zweite Liga but and this is the accepting problem we've seen both like, like clubs that got promoted back to the Bundesliga clubs promoted back to the Zweite Liga the league doesn't care whether you belong there or not. Your actions have to speak for themselves. Mm. And if obviously their past weeks haven't been good, but it's okay because they were in a position 
where they allowed themselves not to be good. Sorry, but take that win, restructure with some one or two players and just go into the season with the same coach. For heaven's sake, what do you want? Well, like, where do you, where is your self-understanding? And I really think we shouldn't let the chatter of like, a couple of people come up there because for heaven's sake, just take the win, take the season and make the right decisions for next season. Mm. Um, and I think it's good that they end up like they end up because that actually puts them in a position to have to make the right decisions in seeing so, so okay, we can't only play for like three quarters of the season. We have to continue. I think in the end, it's even good that they haven't had a perfect first season back in its fight of Bundesliga. So take that win, Kaiserslautern. Restructure. Do anything, everything for staying in the league next season because I guarantee you it's not going to be easy. Um, mm. But it, you can you can make it easy. The second season is going to be defining for them, not only just in the short term, but their medium to long term future of where they're going to, to place. You're right in saying that, you know, over the past five years, they have been almost relegated into complete obscurity. Um, you know, they've, you know, they've had, they've, they, were, they were such a poorly run club, you know, they don't own their own stadium. Um like they've come a long way, and you know we were mesmerized by um, what's the how they started the season. It was there was like it was like living in a fairy tale, which you know Kaiserslautner have experienced twenty five years ago with the Bundesliga title, where the the double promote you know the the promotion and then the, then the league. Like it, it, I can see it. I can understand the frustration with how they've ended the season. I can understand partially the chatter. I think it also comes with losing a derby game as well. You know, no one likes to lose a derby game. The way that they lost it in in, in the sense that they were, for large portions of the game, they were the better team. And they had the better chances. But they just couldn't score. So one thing you look at next season is, do we find someone who can complement Terence Boyd? We need to restructure the defence. You know, what does the midfield mix look like? Like, they've got a lot of question marks going into next season, but you are right in saying that they... It's not as bad as they think that it is, but they can... with But with bad decision-making, they can make it a lot worse. So it will be interesting. I, 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 they're a team to watch today with Karlsruhe. You know, Karlsruhe are going to have a bunch of new names coming in. We know that they've got Lars Stindl coming in from uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I hope he has a good season, just for the, for the neutral sake. Because he's a good, he's a, he's been a very good player for a long time, um, but they, you know, they're keeping most of their core. They just need to get the defensive mix right, and they could also be. I don't. I wouldn't say they're going to be a promotion challenge next season, but they could be someone who makes sure, like, if they can be a bit more consistent, they're not going to be a threat of relegation. Right. Um, before we go, we always like to do our kick tip, Alex. I who should just claim the t- the title's been theirs since however long. Uh, 392 points, expect them to crack 400. JT was our top scorer with a teen. Uh, No podcast recommendations, but if you want to keep up to date with all the permutations of what could happen theoretically this weekend on my website, I've got the Matchday 34 permutations. All the teams that have got something to play for, every potential scenario, go check it out. Helps with the SEO, so more people can view it 
organically. That would be great. Would appreciate it. Uh, that's it. We're going to head off. We will be back next week, potentially earlier. We're still figuring that out before the playoffs that are on next Thursday. Uh, we hope you enjoy the final match day if you are a team with plenty to play for. We wish you the best of luck. We know it's a very tough situation. Um, we just hope that everyone is safe and you know can enjoy the games that are going to be on. Um, we look forward to, 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 to discussing the entire final match day um, of the Spider Bundesliga. So have a fantastic weekend. Let's keep the ball rolling. And we'll see you next time when the Spider Bundesliga returns.